Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another thrilling episode of the Views on View podcast. My name is Steve Edwards. I am the host with the face for radio and the voice for being a mime, but I am still your host. And today with me on the panel, we have Solomon. How are you doing, Solomon? Yeah, I'm doing very fine. Good. Solomon's coming to us from Nigeria. And as our special guest today, we have Henry Aze, also from Nigeria. How are you doing, Henry? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. Good to have you here. Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com. So before we get started on our topic for the week, uh, why don't you give us a little introduction about yourself, Henry, who you are, how you got into programming, why you're famous, anything else okay. you want to tell us about yourself. Okay. Hi, I'm Henry. So, okay, how I got into programming, right? Um, sure. I got into programming in a weird way. Literally, <laughs> it's a really weird way, actually. So the main reason I got into programming was I kind of did bad in math. So I was looking for something that would be good at, something other than school. <laughs> yeah, it was really frustrating me. So I needed something that I could do without, yeah, something I can be really great at because I wasn't good at school. So I mean, I might as well just find something else. So that was when I started programming. I started with front end. I started with Free Code Camp, actually. Then I got into this great company, Bascon. Yeah, so that was where I switched up all my skills. I came in as a junior developer, stayed with them for two and a half years, thereabouts, before leaving. So that was how I actually became a developer. It all started with an F. <laughs> so you said math, but there, there wasn't any other uh, school subject that you were really good at? Mm, I was good at physics. But, there you go. Um, and physics involves a lot of math, though. Yeah, it does, but I don't know. Maybe I was just confused to dare about, but I was just not good at math. Like, I always failed the course, and I was like, why? Oh, well, that's a bummer. I like math. Some people do, some people don't. You know, it's like uh, some of my family members are really great. My daughter's going to be a teacher, and she's really good at that stuff, but not so good at math. I had to help her quite a lot <laughs> growing up. Uh, so, yeah. yes. So, you didn't have computer science classes in school then, Henry? You had to go outside of school to learn computer mm. stuff, development stuff? I never had any computer classes in school, yeah? The, fun, the funny thing is when I was in school, yeah, so we always had this one-on-one -on -one class, this one class, probably just a course, yeah? The funny thing was I actually failed that course. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I but I later got better at it. Though. So you started with Free Code Camp, huh? Yeah, I started with Free Code Camp. Yeah, that's, I, I've started to delve into that a little bit. I've heard uh, Quincy talk quite a bit and I get his weekly email updates and I can, yeah, I've heard about how it started and how it runs and stuff. I was already into development at the time. So I started a course, but never really finished it. But yeah, I've, you hear free code camp mentioned anywhere is, you know, just a great place to get in and learn, learn different things. So did you focus on front end with free code camp or did you do any uh, back end or other things too, no. or how I did you do it? I didn't finish the whole free code camp course. So they had uh, multiple tracks. And most times you just come from the top and try to end at the bottom, but it's a really long way down. 
you get. So I think I stopped at JavaScript. I worked, okay. I stopped at JavaScript. I think regular expressions was where I just like, I was like, nah, stop here. And I was <laughs> like, like, I could see that being a stopping point for a lot of people. That's regex okay. is tough stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Even till now, sometimes I still have issues with regex. Yeah. So when I got to regex, I was like, nah, I now stopped and went to learn view. I fell in love immediately though. Did you? What was it about view that you liked? Mm, the simplicity. I loved how it was easy to understand how the project, how the, the project structure and all that. I think at that point, when I was just starting up, I don't think I really, I really have noticed all that it gets because then I was still trying to delve and I was still trying to understand why my computer property was not working or something. You get, but later on, I fell in love with it. Right. So did you look at any other front end frameworks like, you know, Angular, React, Ember, so on? Or was Vue pretty much the only one you really worked with? V is pretty much the only one I really worked with. I once tried learning React, mm-hmm. but I learned, it, I learned it because I wanted to teach someone. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a reason to, so yeah. But then I still preferred Vue, like really much. Right. right. Yeah. So in other words, you didn't have a good reaction to it. Is exactly. that true? Exactly. 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 Okay. So in your first job, what was the name of the company you were with? I'm sorry. Bascon. Bascon. So what kind of uh, work did you do there? I did majorly, majorly front-end, yeah. So I built I built some of the client-facing applications for various clients. Uh-huh. Was that all in Vue? Yeah. All the front-end tasks that I had to handle were all in Vue. Oh, okay. Great. Great. So what we were going to talk about today, or are going to talk about today, is a blog post that you wrote on Medium about generating files in a view application using Hygen, I believe is how you pronounce that. So for starters, why don't you give us a little overview on what Hygen is and what its purpose is? Okay. So basically, Hygen is kind of like a file generator. Yeah, I guess I can call it that. It's Hygen, basically a code generator, right? So it can generate files with written code in them, you get. So for example, now let's say you're trying to start up a view application or you're trying to set up a file. Maybe you have a particular file structure, right? And then you don't want to go ahead and be repeating. You don't want to go ahead repeating all the all the basic things that you write. For example, you already know that, okay, so for every file, every view file I create, I want to have the name of the file in it. Like I want to have the name of the view components in it and stuff like that. And maybe you want to have it a particular format, right? So you can make use of hygiene to just write that in code. And then once you run the command, it gets it generates that exact format you require, right? So that's just what hygiene is for. Okay, so the obvious question that came to my mind when I first uh, was reading this blog post is that, you know, I use WebStorm, excuse me, PHP Storm, just because I work with both PHP and JavaScript. VS Code, obviously, is another very, very popular code editor for web developers. And those IDEs have template generating capabilities within them themselves. So if I want to create a custom or tweak a view component, I can do you know new and go to view template and it'll spit one out for me and yeah. I can tweak the template. So what is the benefit of Hygen over something that's built into an IDE like that? Well, for say, uh, I haven't really made use of that, but... I mean, my default is VS is Visual Studio Code, but I think hygiene would be easier because you just get to write out, you just get to write out the words. Like, for example, just get to write out hygiene components, new and component names. So it can get done in like three seconds and you've created the default structure. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the grants, if the IDs grant the flex- flexibility, the hygiene grants. For example, let's say maybe you have, or I haven't used it though, but is there, does the ID have the ability to like maybe mutate? For example, let's say you want to have your template in the middle or your script at the top or thereabouts. Like maybe you just have a different arrangement from the default arrangement. Does ID grant that? Yeah, you can go in and and modify your template and put whatever code you want. You know, you can put comment blocks, you can put script tags, you can basically write whatever you want. And then when you spit it out, it however you have it defined in your template, that's how it's going to create a new file. Yeah, well, okay. So I guess that goes against, I guess that's outrules the flexibility then. Hmm. But I've never actually used it, so I can't really go deep that deep into okay that's fine why don't you tell us about how it works i'm looking at your blog post here and we'll have a link to this blog post in the show notes and just how it works and how you would use it in a on a day-to-day basis okay so how it works is basically you create okay so first things first yeah to start making use of it you have to init that to initialize the project right right so after initializing the project it brings out this default generator for file structure and thereabout, right? And that's when you can now start creating new generators, right? So for example, I may want to create a generator for components, right? So I'll just basically write hygiene generator new generator name. That's hygiene, gener- hygiene generator new components. That will be the name of the generator. That will be generator name, right? So once I've done that, then I'll go in, edit the, edit the generator to contain the major things I need. Right. So, for example, if I'm trying to set a default file structure or thereabouts, or I'm just trying to have a particular, or I'm trying to place it in the particular folder, write down the folder and everything on the on the file, the EJS EJS.c file rather. So then after that, that's when I'm done with the whole setup. I just have to run hygiene component. Components being the generator name, right? Then new the components name. So for example, I can do I can write hygiene gener- hygiene components new base input and automatically generates a base input for me. So I think it's really conducive. That's how I make use of it. Yeah, it might sound it might sound fascinating, but how how do you separate the benefits from like you're looking at it using Vue.js? How do you separate the benefits from a normal CLI? You know, so Vue comes with a CLI that structures your project in that like you know, in a way that is recommended by maybe the community. Yeah. So yeah. how do you separate using hygiene and using the CLI? You know? How do I separate? Yeah, in terms of Yeah, in terms of benefits, how will you say hygiene is more better than using the UCLI? Or does it even better than using the, the UCLI? I don't think they meant to be used apart. Like, for example, hygiene can be used with any with any framework, any language, any... It's just it's basically a file generator, right? You don't need to run it on JavaScript or anything, yeah? So it doesn't really it doesn't really counter the Vue.js CLI, right? It's just, let's say, the Vue.js CLI doesn't automatically generate files for you on will, like when you will it, right? I don't think it does. Does it? No, it doesn't. Like you can't use the Vue CLI to create a file, but but you can use it to create the structure of your view project. And then yeah. if you want to create any component, you just you know like right click and click and create it normally, like the way you create the file. Okay, yeah, 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 exactly. So basically, yeah, what hygiene is just solving is the right clicking, right? It doesn't go through the scaffolding of the projects, right? That's left for the Vue CLI. Vue CLI is best at that. So hygiene just goes for the, it just cancels the, the right-clicking and generates default values or default code 
that can later on be enhanced. Okay. Whatever format you require. Okay, so let's talk, as I'm looking through your blog post here, let's talk about some of the flexibility that it provides you when you're generating a file. Yeah. Right. So you specified your generator, you're going to call it a component, okay, a, a standard name. So then you would type hygiene component new, whatever I want to call my file name. Yeah. Uh, my component dot view. Now you can have, why don't you talk to us about the interactive prompts and how you can use those when you're generating your template. Okay. 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 So for the interactive prompts here, it's actually very, very, very easy. So for interactive prompts, the major, what I majorly use them for is like to select like, okay, do I want this for this or do I need this? Or maybe there's a particular input field or something that you need to add to it to just for the whole project. Okay, so let's say, for example, let me use a typical view instance here. So there are some files that you may need the style in. There are some files that you won't need the style at all because maybe it's just a component or something. No, maybe you're you making use of Tailwind Trout, so you don't need styles when you're making use of Tailwind, right? So for that, you can just, if I'm making use of an interactive prompt, I would have already, I would have already set scripts, template, and style, right? Then in the components where I do not need the style, I can just easily go off and turn it off, right? So instead of having to delete the style, I can basically just say, okay, I don't want style in this place. And then in the high-ejs.t file, right, I can now write a condition that if style is equal to zero, don't print any file. If style is, is not equal to zero, print a file, something of that sort, yeah? So that's how it's going to work. So anytime I print, anytime I select, I do not want a style. I do not want styles. It automatically does not generate styles for me. Or if I select something else, that's how it works. Right. So basically the ejs.t file, that's the file that's generated by Hygen. That's basically your script. You can write it in a way to prompt the user. Okay. Do you want this, this, or this? So the example that you, you gave with, with Tailwind was exactly what I was thinking about where because you're using Tailwind, you're, at least for the most part, you're not gonna need that style element of the view single file component. So you can a lot, excuse me, you can configure it to not have that when your view template is created. Yeah. Right? So that's the that's the flexibility. And that's certainly one advantage you would get, I believe, over creating a, a template oh, in an IDE right. is that interactivity. And as Solomon mentioned with the view CLI, it's similar to CLI. When you're creating a whole project, you have your options. You know, do you want to use ESLint? Do you want to use Prettier? Yeah. Do you want this? Do you yeah. want to use the defaults or like customize? That. So it's the same type of functionality that you have, but just at a file level with Hygen as compared to the whole project. Yeah, exactly. That's just how it is. Okay, so then let's see. So I'm looking at templates. So it says Hygen template is the header of a markdown like front matter and a body of the templating engine. So you, that's what you can use to specify where your file goes, right? Yes. Basically, the template is, yeah. So that's, in this two, I believe you can see the two, and if you're looking at the distance, so yeah. So this is basically how you write the, the file, the file name or the file, di the file location, rather, yeah? Mm -hmm. So anything you write into this two, this mm -hmm. two field, yeah, that's mm -hmm. automatically what it generates as the, as the name of the file. Basically, mm -hmm. it follows the whole source slash components, blah, blah, blah. Follows the slashes and creates components or creates folders with creates folders with default with code, creates folders with files, or mm -hmm. if the folder already exists, creates the file in the folder. Right. Okay. That's fine. So now, for instance, that's something that you could pass in. 
you could script as an okay. option during the creation, correct? You can say, okay, which directory do you want this to go in as compared to do you want script sections? And then, so you can really detail out, okay, I want this component to go here. I want it to be called this. I want it to have these sections. Yeah. Or, uh, I mean, the other things I'm thinking of, you could get as granular as prompting for imported components, perhaps, or props or any number of things that go within the component that you could allow them to choose through the interactivity, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. So yeah, that does give it quite a lot of flexibility instead of having to create it and then go in and copy paste or type in all those exactly. imports. Yeah, Harry. So I think one of the most benefits about it is saving time for teams. Because you could you could notice that when you have a large team and each person are generating components or creating different components to solve their problems, yeah. you know the, the team might have a specific way that the component component should be generated in terms of exactly. what should go inside and if they want style or not or if they want the name to follow a particular convention. So exactly. they might just set all that up in the eje file. And yeah. you know, anytime someone generates a file, it just follow that convention direct. So exactly. I think it saves time for for larger teams more. Yeah, another thing is yeah. So I think when when I make use of when I make use of hygiene, right? It makes everything it makes everything uniform. So basically, yeah, let's say for example, I get to enroll a new developer, right? And then I can just yeah. talk. Okay, so for creating components, just run this command. So to create a component, when you want to create a component, so then have to run that command. So it reduces the level of entry. Do you understand? So yeah. he might he might not. For example, you don't need to start explaining that every file should follow the structure. You can basically just say, okay, just run this command, and the default system gets generated, right? So yeah. that's even onboard developers when their things are automated. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really safe time. Yeah. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I've put together the curriculum. And I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. So, Henry, what was... What was the problem that made you adopt this in the first place that made you go looking for it? I mean, is it anything other than the obvious, just taking the time to manually create files? Or were there something else that, that prompted you to go look for something like this? Okay, so I was working on this project, yeah, that I was trying my best to write unit tests, right? But then I noticed that sometimes when I... Sometimes when I write... When I just... when Like when I'm in a hurry to write, to create a, a component, I just... Mm -hmm. I just create the component and start writing and start writing start writing the component code, just delving straight up into the development, right? Forgetting about testing. Then it's not be later or a few minutes back into development. And I'll be like, oh shit, I forgot to write test. And then I'll now start going back to write my test. Right. So I, that was actually one of the things I was trying. I was trying to check for something that could generate the code, that could generate the JSON and the test file at the same time. Because getting to repeat that particular getting to repeat that procedure every time it was really stressful and time consuming on me yeah so that was when i think i now watched this course on ben from ben hong on what was it called on front-end masters yeah 
So he was now talking about the tool. That was when I now found, prior to that, I was searching for a tool like that, but I didn't see. That was when I now found, that was when I now found out the tool, about the tool. Yeah. Production on Frontend Master. That's right. So. Right. Yeah. We'll put the link to that in the, in the show notes. So he talked to, so Ben talked about using Hygen or just the issue of automatically generating thing up front so you don't forget it. He was, he was, he was kind of like, okay, he was bringing, he gave peaks. So one of the major things he he re- he recommended was hygiene, view storybook, and some other component libraries. Yeah. So he really gave some really good tips on the blog post. Yeah. On the vi- on the tutorial rather. So right. that was when I found out about it. And since then I was just like, damn. Every other project I've generated does have just followed the rule. Both the ones I work on alone and in my team. So yeah, that's uh, that's probably a, f- a fairly typical problem. From a developer standpoint, where it's like, oh, good, I get to write code. Let's dive in and start to write code. And then they forget about tests and have to come back and do them later. And that's a whole different discussion on uh, test-driven design, TDD, but we won't go down that road. <laughs> but I think the gist is just basically do this. So so how does that work where you do it? Do you have, is there a specific command that you have scripted that when they start a project, they run it? And it automatically generates some things and some tests for them too. Or do you is this every time you create a component, it creates a corresponding test? Mm, no, I mean hygiene doesn't have AI in it, does it? No. What I mean is, you could have scripted a command so that if you script a new component, that it also generates a, a test, for instance. Or, or how did hygiene solve that problem? Okay, so basically, yeah, what I what I do with hygiene is so it generates a default test. For example, I can just test if. Maybe I could just test if it's a component, right? That's just a default test that is on the that is on the that is majorly on my components unit test, right? So when I create when I just run the command, I added a I added another ejs.t because if there are double ejs.t's inside it inside one generator, it creates the two of them, right? So if you have maybe the component of view, and then maybe you have the spec.ts or something of that sort. So as long as they're inside one generator, it generates everything under the generator, right? So what I did for, so what I do is I just schedule, I just write the command. So it basically generates a default test, was just a basic test, nothing complex, just something that just say that we just have the test there. Right. So just a default, so a sort of a reminder, hey, you need to do a test too when you do this component? Exactly, exactly. All right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So is there anything else about uh, Hygen that we miss? Any other features or benefits that that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just, I just think, yeah, I just think it's going to preserve standard of projects. And of course, it's going to case human error. So when you make use of, when you make use of Hygen, you won't get to repeat certain procedures as usual. Like, I mean, it eradicates some standard procedures that you take to. It would, it would eradicate some standard procedures that you normally take when writing code, right? That's the ones that are automatable, that you can that can be automated, right? Mm-hmm. So when, so I think it's to get rid of those kind of. It's to get rid of those issues and save time as well. And not just your time, but also the team's time, because when you create, when you have a project that has a lot of things that are automated, it's very, very, very easy to, you know, to learn. And developer economics are really great, right? Right. Okay. So that's just one of the major benefits for I have that I get to witness when I'm working with hygiene. Right. So it just makes sure, in other words, it makes sure that 
everybody's on the same page in terms of their code structure, their components, their tests. And obviously, you're not going to be able to to handle every case that comes up. But if you can handle the most common ones and avoid, uh, you know, typos or somebody's missing this that they should have or that that kind of stuff, then then yeah, yeah I could see that being a huge advantage, especially on a larger team. You know, when it's got a couple of people, maybe a certain amount. But when you get on a larger team, then yeah, absolutely. And maybe in the team, maybe every now and then you get to unroll and you get to onboard new developers. Right. Yeah? So having to tell them about the coding structure and everything is just going to be very, 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 very complex. Not really complex, but time consuming because you have to do it for almost every developer that comes in. Mm-hmm. So just having having things automated in general is just a really great way, right? Right, right. And that's going to be, yeah, that's true. So are there other things you use this for besides, say, your view components and your tests? Mm, I use them for my default Okay, so when I'm when I'm writing when I'm writing stores when I'm writing the Vuex store rather, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lately, I just, lately I just fell in love with TypeScript, yeah. So I would want to, imp- you know, when you for example for every model, every model every Vuex model also has almost the same default structure, right? Right. So it's a series of JavaScript. You have the export default namespace and all that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're making use of TypeScript or the class. Um, view X, the class um, style, the class store rather, kind of forgotten the name right now. <laughs> anyway, so you have to import the store, that's the normal store and all that. So that's one of the major things that is for. So I always generate that default for the default file structure for the view X store as well. Right, that has like your getters and your actions and your mutations structure exactly, set up. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah. that's the same type of thing. Yeah. So you're just generating a view file that has what you need. Yeah, basically. Great. Okay, cool. So another thing we want to talk about that you had mentioned was a project called DocuValuate. Yeah. Uh, what is that? I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess that it has something to do with documentation. Am I right or am I wrong? Mm, not really. Oh, it okay. something to do with contract. Oh, okay. So basically, I think the idea came in when I think I signed a bad contract, yeah? So I was like, why didn't I take note of this? Like, why? Henry, why didn't this occur to you and stuff like that, yeah? So that was when I, and I was looking for maybe other platforms that could help summarize contracts or something of that sort, yeah? Then I couldn't find anyone because, and then, you know, contracts are always really bulky, yeah? So I started searching for all those kind of, for a platform that offers that, but I couldn't, I couldn't get anyone, right? So I think, yeah, so that was when I now reached out to some of my team members and I was like, hey, I have this idea. Do you want us to build it? Then I pitched it out to them. So everyone wanted to. So my teammates agreed to build it with me. Basically, what the idea is about is, yeah, it's basically about catching errors in contracts. So for example, or, or basically highlighting the important parts of a contract. So let's say a, you have a contract, yeah, with a new employer. And new employer is like, while you work with us, you shouldn't get to work with any other person, right? So that is actually a very, very, very important part that you should actually take note of. There are some developers that would actually want to work on different projects at the same time, you get? Or a contract that says, while you work with us, anything, any extra thing you build, right? Even if it's not explicitly for the company, the company also has the right to take it away from you, right? So contracts like that, if you can get, if the main point of value in that kind of contract will be to highlight and tell you that, okay, 
So this is exactly what this person is trying to say, or maybe just highlight it so you know that, okay, you take note of that particular aspect of the contract so that it doesn't take you unaware when you have to deal with the issues. And that's basically what DocuValuity is all about. So it sounds like there's a lot of subjectivity there once. So a couple of questions off the top. I'm going to guess there's some AI involved in something like this yeah. or, or not. There is actually. Okay. So they, so how are you determining, you said, okay, this is an important part of the contract. So is that some sort of configured value or, or item that says, okay, these are what I think the important parts of a contract are and they should be highlighted? Mm, basically, we're going to run checks on the important parts. So basically, we'll get to look at, we'll get to look at contracts here. Yeah? And then obviously, there are some parts of the contract that just have some normal common words. Like let's say the parts where the parts where you have to say the you can only source you can only take our legal action out you can only take legal action out in a specified country and all those kind of extra extra just language and all that yeah so those parts are not really important yeah so we, the team is going to review contracts and check out for important aspects of contracts right and then we are going to factor that into the AI and have something work out with that okay yeah so. So you're telling it, okay, look for what these particular keywords in a yeah, contract and exactly. highlight those sections. Yeah. Or similar or similar keywords. Uh-huh. So that's basically how the AI is going to be. It's still in development though. So for is this dealing with any particular type of contract, like employment contracts? Or I mean contract is a for now there could be millions now, of kinds of contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for now, yeah, we are just hand we're dealing with just employment contracts and small and some others and tenantship contracts right so later on though i don't think there happens to be a a barrier on the type of contracts we can handle since it's basically just since it's basically just words that it might have to do okay i think there's actually a barrier but it's not really that huge but for now the team is focused the team is focusing on just employment employment contract so that we can actually get one part perfectly before moving on to other aspects, other types of contracts. Okay. So so is this like a website or web app somehow where you would upload the, a paper copy of a contract or you copy paste the language in to your tool mm. or how's the user yeah. interface? Basically, basically the user interface is just like an upload button. Yeah. So from the upload button, you just get to pick a contract, most likely in PDF. Right. PDF or doc. Mm-hmm. So once you upload it, it gets scanned by the AI and boom, maybe an, a scanned property, a scanned document is revealed. So you get to see this aspect and all those kind of things of the contract. So you now get to see the dangerous aspects or the needed aspects and stuff like that. Right. So is it safe to assume that the UI portion of this would be written in view? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm a view fanboy. I don't right. think it, there's any other language I'm not writing. So out of curiosity, are you in your company still using View 2? Have you migrated to View 3? What versions are you using? Mm, I'm still making use of View 2. And even in my present company, Amio, we still make use of View 2 as well. Hmm, okay. Do you have any plans to move to View 3 or is that still a little bit down the road? For Amio or for yeah. Document? For Amio, mm, I don't think there is a plan. Though we are considering we are considering porting to TypeScript, but I don't think there is a plan for us to move to Vue 3 yet. Uh, okay, because I know that TypeScript integration with Vue 2 can be sort of tough, but it's built into Vue 3, so it should be 
easier. a lot easier if you're a heavy user of TypeScript. Yeah. Well, I think Vue 2 is not really bad with TypeScript as well because I really enjoy TypeScript on Vue 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to check it out on Vue 3 and see the difference. Yeah, for sure. I haven't had the opportunity to delve into Vue 3 much myself working on it, but uh, I know that's one big important piece. Even the core was rewritten with TypeScript yeah. in Vue 3, so yeah. that'll make it easier, at least that way. All right. So before we want to move on to picks, was there anything else you wanted to, to mention about either DocuValuate or Hygen? I don't think so. I don't really think so. Currently. Okay. I think we've covered all grounds. Like we've covered everything? Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level? That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then we'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say, Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have the situation. How do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. All right. So with that, we will move on to picks. Let's go with Solomon. Solomon, do you have any picks for us today? Oh, uh, yeah. I would, <laughs> I would just talk about my life right now. Recently, I, I got the job with Airbank. Yeah, as a full stack software engineer, that's what they call it. <laughs> and I've been working on some, you know, personal projects uh, prior to this time. So I've been working on Profiley. Uh, previously, I mentioned that it is uh, 90% ready. So now it's <laughs> 95% ready. Okay, so Profiley is a product that solves the problem of changing and updating your online presence, you know, around all social medias. So what it does is that it gives you a platform where you just update once, automatically syncs with all your uh, social media. So it's profiley.com. You can just join the waiting list. And also, I have... Is it live? Yeah, it's live. It's live, but the uh, you have to join the waiting list for now so that once we launch, we'll just inform you. And there will be a special discount for people that join the waiting list. Profile. So I'll drop the URL on the show notes then. So I, then I have uh, masteringbackend.com. So that's masteringbackend is where I talk about 
back-end development, everything you need to know about back-end development. And most importantly, I discuss about how you can make money as a back-end developer. So it's not just uh, writing code and getting jobs, how you can get money even when you don't have a full-time job as a back-end developer. All right? So you can check them out and join the uh, newsletter. So that's it for me. And I really enjoy Harry's talk about hygiene. And I think I will try them out and see how they can, you know, help me maintain the style guide for my view applications. Excellent. All right. I will go next. And like Solomon said, we will put uh, links to both those uh, websites in the show notes. So I'll start out with my weekly dad jokes. And these are for you guys. These are the great Fabulous jokes of mine that are puns, basically, plays on words. So for those of you who haven't seen me, I have the the chrome dome, the bald head. I shaved my head and, and have done for about 11, 12 years. Once it started going, I figure it might as well all go. But even though that's the true, I still have a comb because I just can't part with it. You know, part your hair. Well, anyway. Well, what was the point of the comb uh, <laughs> when I had hair, I used it, but I still I can't part with it because I don't have any hair to part anymore. That's the joke. So you have a bad hair, you have a cool man. This is bad. Yes. Very, very bad, very difficult. So now that we've killed that joke with explanation. So in the in the in the US, there's a there's a uh, a movie franchise called started with the Fast and the Furious. And it's one of those things where they keep making them because they make lots of money, even though they're not really that good. So the current one out is the ninth movie, Fast 9, and I don't remember the tagline for it, but they are making a 10th movie, and it's called Fast 10, Your Seatbelts. Okay. <laughs> As in, fasten your seatbelts. So good, so good. And then uh, finally, found this interesting blog post today, one of those little history things on Hacker News. And this is a case where of uh, the classic line where uh, necessity is the mother of hood is the mother of invention. And so it talks about how the very first webcam invented, this is back in the early 90s, I want to say 91, was invented to keep an eye on a coffee pot at Cambridge University. And so there were uh, some not wealthy academic people in a building and they drank a lot of coffee, but only had one coffee pot. And so they connected a camera to an unused, uh, an unused video camera onto a coffee pot so that they could monitor it from where they were at to see when it was full so they could get more coffee. So uh, it's a cool little cool little story. And we'll, again, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. So Henry, do you have any picks for us today? My pick for us today would be Amio. That's my present company, yeah? So if you happen to have a, maybe you need customer support, um, automated customer support, I would really love it if you could check them out, yeah? So they're really great. The responses are really nice. I mean, I'm working on it, so yeah. <laughs> All righty. So that pick goes under the category of what we call shameless plugs. <laughs> uh, so I, think, I think I have something else to say, though. Yeah. All right. So Go yeah, ahead, Song. So, okay. Now, sometimes I wonder if there's a book, like a technical book, where you can learn everything you need to know about developing an enterprise application with Vue.js. So it doesn't matter the version, even if it's Vue.js 1 or Vue.js 2 or 3. Yeah, so I've searched around, I, I couldn't find. So now I am writing a book 
with uh, packed publishing on architecting uh, enterprise-level applications with Vue 3. So the book is about to come out soon. The preview link has not been generated, so I would have dropped it on the show notes. So in the next podcast or so, I, I should be able to, prov- to get the link. So the book is going to detail everything you need to know to develop an enterprise application, you know, where we'll talk about how to use Vue.js with Docker, how to use Vue.js with GraphQL, how to use, how to, you know, structure your Vue.js application to accommodate enterprise level, enterprise applications and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to the book coming out maybe sometime soon and I I hope to share it with you guys. Okay. Um, Solomon, shoot me, shoot me a link when, re- when it's ready. I would really love to see it. All right, cool. All right, that sounds good. So do you have a title? Is it just something standard like Enterprise View Applications uh-huh. with View 3 or do you have a specific title for it yet? Yeah, it has a title. The title is Architecting Enterprise Le- Enterprise Ready Application with View 3. All right. So yeah, next podcast and we'll get that link and can give it out to everybody. Does it have like an early access program where people can, you can share the chapters as they're being uh, written and people can, can provide input? Yeah, it will have early access and a few discounts when the link is out. Okay, good to know. Alrighty, yeah. with that, we will end today's episode. Thank you to Henry for enlightening us about Hygen and DocuValuate. And we will talk to you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.